0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Monterey podcast. Please visit calvary.com to learn more about our church and visit nateholdridge.com for additional Bible teaching from our lead pastor, Nate Holdridge. Teaching today is our worship pastor, Riley Monto. Hey, good morning church. It's good to see you all. Hey, my name is Riley. If I haven't met you, I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I'm not Pastor Nate, as you can tell. Uh, He will be back, though. Um, Right now, he's down in Santa Maria uh, teaching at a men's conference uh, for the guys down at that Calvary Chapel. Um, And I'm sure having a great time, but Southern California has not stolen him from us. I promise he'll be back. But I'm really thankful to be able to be here with you to teach you God's Word. We're going to be in the book of Daniel today. If you guys want to pull out your Bibles or turn it on, we're going to be in the book of Daniel and we're gonna be jumping around from chapter one, chapter two, and chapter six. And I don't know about you, but these past couple months, going through the book of 1 Peter together on Sundays has been just such a treat. I really love that book of 1 Peter. It's one of the first books I ever taught of the Bible, and uh, it has a near and dear place to me in my heart. Um, But what I've been really encouraged about is just how practical it is for learning how to live our Christian life in a culture and in a society that's constantly trying to rip us away from our faith in Jesus. And so I hope that you've been encouraged by it. I hope that it's been challenging and inspiring and all those good things. Today, I just want to try to supplement that teaching series with a character study uh, of Daniel. And so if you are taking notes, you want to write down the title, Daniel, Daniel character study in italics, values that will help you through exile. Because Daniel is one of these guys in scripture that when you look at him, you see, oh, he's legitimately in exile and he's following God to the best of his ability with faith and integrity. And so my hope is that as we go through his life a little bit, that you'll be encouraged in your own life with your faith, and maybe that you'll pick up a few principles and ways of life to help you engage with the challenges that you're facing, but full of faith and with courage. So let me pray for us real quick, and we'll jump into chapter one of Daniel. Again, Lord, just thank you for this morning. Thank you for the sun coming up again. Your mercies truly are new every single day. We want to thank you for your word. I'm so thankful, God, that words that were written down thousands of years ago have relevance for us today. We pray lord that you would help us to open up our hearts to you that you would speak and challenge and convict but ultimately lord i hope that you would help us to fall more in love with jesus and to devote our lives to him more fully today would you use this book of daniel to do that for us we do want to pray for pastor nate too while he's down in san maria and the ministry that he is doing there we ask that by the power of your spirit you would use your word through your messenger for those men we pray that santa maria would be changed as a result of this men's conference and that your word would continue to do work in those men's lives so please give pastor nate courage and strength for the messages that he's teaching we pray you bring him back home safely with his family and please bless our time now in your word in your name amen amen okay Before we get into the book of Daniel, let's just talk about Daniel for a moment because um, it's important to know where we're stepping into as it pertains to his life as we get into chapter one. So Daniel, this is a Hebrew man. He was from Israel. And at this point in time, probably a young guy between the ages of 13 to 17, maybe a middle schooler, high schooler, young adult. And the Bible tells us a few things about him. One, he came from a family that was well off, probably financially and socially, had some kind of um, agency there. He was good-looking. Don't you love it when scripture just makes a point to say, hey, this guy was a good-looking guy. So Daniel was a good-looking guy, smart, um, personable, it sounds like. What I'm trying to show you is that he was an emerging leader among the Hebrew people. But he didn't live in Israel at this point in time. At the time of the book of Daniel, Daniel is living in Babylon. He's in exile. He had been uprooted from Israel with his brothers and sisters and family and friends and been taken to Babylon. And the whole point of that was that King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, wanted to build his kingdom and he wanted to assimilate the Jewish people into Babylon. And so he was looking around the people of Israel, him and his high officials for young people who were emerging leaders who could take on the ways of Babylon, forget their Jewish heritage, and begin to lead the Israelite people into the ways of Babylon. And so what we'll see here in a few moments is that Daniel was chosen to be one of these young men who would enter into the lifestyle and practices and ways of the Babylonians, all for the sake of becoming indoctrinated to then lead others into that same path. But what we see with Daniel is that that's not the end of the story for him. He doesn't go to Babylon and become a Babylonian per se. He is very much Jewish in this Babylonian place. He holds to God's word, he holds to God's law, and with integrity, he leads other people to do the same. And just a quick word about that, You know, I know there's some people here right now who are probably between the ages of 13 to 17, maybe a little younger, maybe a little bit older. Before we get into the text, I have to just say to you that it is never too early to follow God. It is never too early to have an influence for the kingdom of God in your family, in our church, in your school, in your workplace. God used Daniel in such a powerful way. This young guy, full of conviction, full of life, full of potential. God grabbed a hold of his heart, and with devotion, he said yes and amen to the way of God. And people's lives were transformed as a result of his faithfulness. His faithfulness caused ripple effects in the community around him. And obviously, it wasn't all done just by him. It was God's spirit working through him, but his faithfulness was seen on display and had a great impact. So I just want to say, middle schooler, high schooler, young adults. You may think that you can wait till later to give your life to Jesus because you want to have fun right now and sleep in late and play video games late and do your thing. I'm all for having fun, okay? I'm not anti all that stuff. But as you're thinking about how you give your energy to the world around you, just remember that you can have influence. God sees you. He has a plan and a purpose for you, and he wants to begin it right now not just in the years to come, but right now, right where you're sitting. So I believe that God wants to raise up our young people to bless our church, our community. And I'm believing that a lot of that is stirring in our family here. So do you guys, do, do the parents here agree with me in that? The grandparents here, you guys agree with me in that? A few of you do, okay. Maybe you have some real kids in your house that are a real ruckus and maybe you're waiting on your claps, but I, I hope you believe the best for them. Okay, so let's get into the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter one. Um, Here's the first thing I want us to see. You know, we're looking at the life of Daniel. We're seeing some principles for living forward in the way of God. And the first thing we're going to see here as a value is that God set a standard for Daniel and Daniel met that standard with obedience. God set a standard for Daniel and Daniel met that standard with obedience let me set up the text before we jump right into it. So like I said, Daniel is in exile. He's in Babylon. He is being led by supervisors and people who are high in power into this way of life that is not of Jewish tradition. It's the Babylonian way. They're constantly trying to get him to forget his heritage, his worship, and lead him into the way of Babylon. So there's a number of different ways that they were trying to change Daniel. And one way that was really specific to chapter one is through his diet. And that might sound a little funny to us because we live in a day and age where fad diets come in, they go out, they change all the time. But for Daniel, this is a matter of worship. What he ate had direct implications to the way that he worshiped. In the Old Testament law, God had set aside some laws to speak specifically to what the Hebrew people could eat and couldn't eat, how it should be prepared and how it shouldn't be prepared, what it could be mixed with and what it couldn't be mixed with. And Daniel had a very firm conviction in his heart that he had to maintain a certain diet plan that fell in line with God's law in order to remain obedient to God. So That's where we're jumping in now. We're seeing that the Babylonian people wanted him to change it up, but we see that he has a different story. So Daniel chapter one, verse eight. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you are in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, he said, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them all veggies. What we see here is really interesting, right? We see that Daniel and this supervisor have a real honest conversation about the diet plan that these young Babylonian men were going to be um, experiencing and taking in. Daniel recognized really clearly that he could not in good faith partake of this food. So he says, look, let's try something different. For 10 days, let me just eat veggies and water, have my friends do the same, and let's just check in after 10 days and see how we're doing. And that was risky for the advisor to grant that to Daniel, but he did. I just love what it says there in verse 16. Isn't this great? Um, at the, the end of uh, verse 15, the men were better in appearance and fatter in flesh. I just love that the Bible just says that. They were fatter in flesh. Not not only were they sustained, but they actually were able to gain some weight, bulk up, and uh, be strong for the days ahead of them. And so they were able to maintain this diet of veggies and water. And what I want us to see here is that Daniel's obedience showed that he cared less about what benefited himself and more about what honored God what we have to see here is that the food that the king gave to Daniel and to his friends, this wasn't the scraps. This wasn't the leftovers. This is some good smelling food. And I don't know about you, but when I was 13 to 17 years old, I was not trying to have a salad and a glass of water at every meal. If I smelled meat, it'd be like, oh man, that smells good. I want that. I want the sweet stuff the salty stuff, the stuff that's going to fill me up. I'm getting hungry right now. My stomach is literally grumbling right now talking about it. Let's move on. So it looked really good, but Daniel in obedience said, I'm going to deny my desire. I'm going to deny maybe what smells good. And I'm going to choose to honor God by choosing a different diet. Something that maybe doesn't smell as good, look as good I'm gonna eat just the veggies and the water because if I do that, I will continue to live in obedience with God and his law. So Daniel's decision to abstain from eating the king's food could have cost him everything, yet he found contentment with this new diet. What we have to see here is that not only was he denying this food to honor God, but his denial of the food had direct repercussions for his life in Babylon. You see, the king ordered the menu, and to deny the menu meant that you were denying the king. By refusing the food, uh, Daniel could have probably been seen as uncooperative and could have spoiled all chances for advancement in the kingdom. Also, it's just a real threat of punishment. These kings, when you disobeyed them, Um, There was a track record of these kings of Babylon being swift to kill people who didn't obey what they wanted them to do. So Daniel knew, not only am I honoring God, but I am literally putting my life on the line right now. And what I love about this is that Daniel, it seems, had a great peace about this. It seems as though he didn't fight back. It seems as if he was willing to change up his plan or the plan that was given to him in order to honor God and to um, honor God with his body. But that peace that he had is so impressive to me because I would think that he would be resisting and fighting back in this moment, but it's just a humble request. Dallas Willard in his book, The Renovation of the Heart, talks about this kind of peace that Daniel's experiencing. And he says, the secret to this peace is being abandoned to God. Not that God abandons us, but that we would abandon ourselves to God. What does that mean to abandon ourselves to God? Well, I think it means what we see here in Daniel. It means that we are giving our desires. We are giving our appetites. We are giving the things that we want, our bodies, our minds, our souls, and almost recklessly to God. It didn't make sense for Daniel to do this diet plan at this time. But he said, look, I'm gonna sacrifice myself believing that as I'm obedient, God will be sufficient for me. And he had peace through that. Isn't that interesting that as we sacrifice, as we offer, we actually receive peace. The things that we think would bring us peace, like having a full stomach, having a full bank account, having a job that keeps successing up the ladder. All those things feel like they bring us peace, right? But as many of us know, a lot of times, the more we get, the more restless we become. And Daniel, in this moment, gave and offered and chose to work in obedience. And God sustained him. God met him. Daniel's obedience didn't make sense logically, but it was met with God's divine power. If you do the simple math, I'm no nutritionist or anything, but I read my labels sometimes. I try to do do what I can, and if I get a package of beef from the store, I'll see, okay, there's a certain amount of calories here, some proteins, some fats, and I'll go to the veggie aisle, and I'll look at a piece of celery, and there's no, there's literally no writing on it. There's there's no, there's not much in it. It's, It's kind of zeros all the way across. He knew that, okay, if I eat meat, it would probably sustain my body, make me full, make me strong. If I just do this veggie water thing, it's kind of a cleanse. I will probably just shed a lot of stuff. And it just didn't make sense logically for him to do this kind of meal plan. But as he stepped into it, he saw that God truly sustained him. And I just love that he had this abundant attitude towards God. saw that, man, in in my lack, in in my obedience, this is a simple act of obedience, but I believe that God is going to meet me in an abundant kind of way. Do you feel that way when you obey God, (laughs) when you sacrifice something that he's asking you to sacrifice, when you step out in obedience? Do you feel like, man, this is just all sacrifice. I don't want to do it. It's scary. I'm going to lose a relationship or a paycheck or something. Or do you do you enter in just knowing that God is going to continue to provide? That God will not only provide, but he'll go above and beyond for your obedience. It's not a transactional kind of thing. It's just what happens. God just meets us in our weakness. In our obedience, he is sufficient. So for Daniel, this didn't totally make sense physically and logically, but God really did truly meet him. And the last thing I want us to see from this is just that Daniel... Entered into, because, because the Babylonians wanted him to eat a certain way and he knew he couldn't engage in that, he had to actually enter into a temporary protest of sorts. When you look at this story, you might think, oh gosh, is, is Daniel betting on God? Is he gambling on God? Is he just trying to throw it out, all out on the line and raise the stakes and do all that for God? Is he putting God to the test right now? And what it seems like here is that he doesn't have that attitude of just taking a chance or gambling or betting or anything. Instead, he just believes that as he's obedient, God will meet him. This makes logical sense to him just to continue in obedience, believing that God was close to him. But it does result in a bit of like a protest here. And uh, depending on how you feel about that, maybe make you feel excited or discouraged but this protest is not like what we know today, right? We see protests and riots and media, and we see houses being burned. We see people gathering and marching down a street. We see picket signs. We see all kinds of things, right? Megaphones and everything. This protest was done in a private moment around a table. One man, one request in the privacy of the kingdom. But here are a few things we want to see about his protest. Hopefully, this will help us as we're thinking through how do I remain obedient in my life when I face challenges that concern my faith. First thing I want us to see here is that Daniel's heart was set on following God's standards. Daniel just purposed in his heart that no matter what came his way, he was going to continue to remain obedient and not compromise in his faith. So This protest wasn't done out of anger, out of emotion. It was done from a place of obedience to God. This is the next logical step as he's trying to remain within God's law and context. So he was set on following God's standards. Also, just a bit about Daniel. Daniel's life was seen to have positive influence within the community. His protests came from a place where people knew like, oh, this guy's trustworthy, he's honorable, He's not just causing ruckus all the time. This is a guy who actually has good standing within the community, so we should listen to him. Also, the protest was courteous. Notice that it says that Daniel requested to be excused from the king's table. He made a polite request showing discretion. This wasn't behind a keyboard. This wasn't loud and abrasive. This wasn't obnoxious. This was... Courteous. It was done in conversation, looking at somebody eye to eye across the table. And then also, he was willing to put his reputation on the line to hold God's standards. Daniel and his friends, they, they just knew okay, if I don't eat this way, if I resist the king in this kind of way, it could mean my life. And to some degree, it seems like in the story, they were okay with that. They were okay with giving their lives to follow God at all costs. Also, and finally here, Daniel is willing to make his protests clear. Isn't that great that he looks at this advisor and says, look, let's just do this for 10 days. 10 days has a special timeline. He says, let's do it with veggies and water, certain details about that protest. And after the 10 days, let's reevaluate. Let's see if it really worked. Let's see if we need to change things up, reassess at that moment. He was requesting something bold, but he couched it all in humility. And so what I'm just trying to say here is that when we step out in obedience, when we know God's way and we begin to live it out and we're met with resistance from another person or society or wherever it might be, as you experience that resistance, we can have confidence that as we step into faith, as we step into obedience, God will meet us in our lack, that God will be sufficient for our every need. And he is with us through our obedience. He doesn't leave us just to figure it out on our own, just to try to muster up enough courage ourselves. There's not enough YouTube motivational videos or podcasts to help someone through the throes of living out our faith in obedience. We need God's Spirit. And what we see from this story is that his guidance is close as we step out to follow him. So, God set a standard for Daniel, and Daniel met that standard with obedience. The second thing I want you to see from Daniel's life is that God gave a gift to Daniel and Daniel stewarded that gift with faith. If you want to flip over in your Bibles to Daniel chapter two or scroll to chapter two, we're going to be looking at verses 13 through 19. But just to set this up for a moment, you know, Daniel, he's, he's in Babylon. He's doing his veggie and water diet. And as he's doing his thing, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream in the middle of the night. It spooks him. He wakes up in a cold sweat. He goes to his wise men, is what they're called in scripture, and says, you guys, I need you to tell me what my dream was. And I need an, an interpretation for this dream. The wise men look at him and say, we can't just recall your dream. We, we had no idea what you dreamt. But if you tell it to us, then we can interpret it for you. And King Nebuchadnezzar has none of it. He believes that they're fake wise men and says, because you can't do this, you're all gone. So he sets out a decree to kill all the wise men in Babylon. Now, Daniel and his friends were affiliated with the wise men, but they weren't in the room when this happened uh, with King Nebuchadnezzar. So Daniel catches wind of this new decree, and that takes us right here to Daniel chapter 2, verses 13 through 19. Verse 13 says, so that the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. So we see here that Daniel, he hears about what King Nebuchadnezzar is trying to do to kill and wipe out the wise men. He, Daniel then approaches Arioch and has a conversation with him. He requests a standing with the king to help him interpret his dream. And I just love this about Daniel. He got the Google calendar invite all on the schedule. He's meeting with the king in a few days. And in the meantime, he goes back home. He goes to his boys and says, guys, we got to get on our knees and we got to pray because I'm in a heavy situation right now. I got to help King Nebuchadnezzar know what this dream was and what it meant. And then I just love how God is just so faithful. Verse 19, then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. And Daniel blessed God. What we see here is that Daniel... His stewardship of his giftings kick-started his faith in God's provision. And back in chapter one, Daniel received the gift to interpret dreams. But it doesn't say that he received the gift to recall dreams or to know a dream without hearing it first. But Daniel receiving the gift of interpretation, it sounds like in his mind, he was connecting the dots. He said, if God could give me this gift— then why wouldn't he give me the gift to recall a dream? Based on what God had given him, he was able to take a step of faith into something he didn't fully understand how it was gonna work out, knowing that God would meet him in the gap. Daniel, because of what God had given him, had faith for the future. And this faith is not something that he conjured up he wasn't building himself up to have this kind of faith, but instead what appears here is that God deposited the gifts and the faith. God deposited the wisdom and the knowledge. Jim Symbola, a pastor in New York, wrote a book called Fresh Faith. And in it, he wrote, faith does not originate in us. It comes from God as we receive his living word into our hearts. I believe this is so true. This is what we see in Daniel is that God gave a gift. God gave experience. God showed his faithfulness and taking that all into account, Daniel could then make a pretty bold claim to be able to give an interpretation and the meaning of a dream. God had given him a gift and he gave it back to God. This is important for us, I believe, because if you're anything like me, you kind of cruise through life without remembering all that God has done for you. I know for me, it takes some real intentionality to sit down and to think about my life and what God has done for me, to think about my faith and what God has done through my faith, to recall certain moments and times when he's shown himself faithful. But I do know that when I do that, when I take some time to just shut down the noise, to think about what God has done, to think about his faithfulness from the past, that that propels me into deeper faith for the future. I can see how God is taking care of me, so won't he take care of me again? I've seen how God met me, so won't he meet me again? And to do that spiritual, emotional, mental inventory can be so helpful for us as we're living these lives of faith, because what we see from Daniel is that he remembered a gift that God had given him, gift of interpretation. And it, it just bled straight to a faith for a new gifting. And as we remember what God has given us, it'll propel us into new faith, what God might do with our lives in the future. Paul talks about this in Ephesians 3 when he says that God can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. God is faithful and he deposits that faith inside of us. But also what I want you to see here is that Daniel's stewardship of his giftings elevated his worship like never before. What we didn't read, but what comes right after this story is basically a worship song that Daniel writes to God. In verses 20 and the verses that follow, we just read that he recounts what God has done, and he's so thankful for how God's been good to him and everything, and it, this moment of faith led him to a new moment of worship. And I've always thought in my head, when I've read you know, passages like this where people are singing new songs, or I think about Psalm 96 verse one, singing a new song to God, I've always thought, okay, so I just need to think of like new ways to tell God how good he is. I just need to think about new words and new concepts, new illustrations and new beats and rhythms and patterns to tell God that he's so good. But after reading this this week, I'm kind of led to believe that these new songs that we're asked to sing come from moments of faith. They come from when we take a step of faith to say, God, I need you to step into this. And God meets us. And in that recognition, in that moment of understanding God's closeness, we begin to sing something new to God. Or if you're not a singer, maybe you write something down. Maybe you say something to your spouse or to your neighbor, to your friend. Or maybe it's simply that you just get with your journal and you just write down, God, you've been so faithful in this kind of way. Those new songs, those new expressions of what God has done for us, come from taking steps of faith. If your worship feels boring, and I'm not just talking about the singing time that we have on Sundays, if you don't feel like you have much to praise God about, if you feel like that's just a dead part of your life, I'd encourage you to do that inventory to see what God has done and look for ways to step out into new faith. Because I'll tell you, just like Daniel experienced here, that as you step out in faith based on what God has done for you and based on his character and nature to meet you, you will be encountered with his goodness, with his faithfulness, and you'll be continually built up with new ways to worship God. I really do believe that new faith will lead to new songs, to new revelations of who God is. Also, what's great about this is that Daniel's faith wasn't just for himself, right? He sang this new song, wrote these new words, I have to believe that in the middle of the night, as he received this revelation from God, that his friends in the house heard him praising God. I'm sure they were built up in their own faith. And how many times do we need that in our lives? I know there's some people in my life who I see them take steps of faith and I have something going on in my life. I'll be like, hey, bro, I got to borrow your faith for a minute. I need that experience that you just had. Can you tell me how God took care of you? Can you tell me how he was with you because I need to be built up in my faith to take it this next step of faith in my life. Our faith is not just for us, but it's actually for the people around us as well. So when we're in exile, when we're challenged in this life, what we'll see is, is that you know, we'll be tempted to not take steps of faith. Everything's gonna tell us, don't do it. There's uncertainty here. Wait till everything is certain. Wait till all the buttons are buttoned up Everything is nice and tidy, but with uncer- with certainty we can't express true faith. With uncertainty, we can. In those moments of fear, the fear of failure, or, or not knowing what God's going to do, I encourage you to take that step of faith. Whatever that might be for you today, trust that God God is with you, and He will sustain you through every single step of the way. Okay. We have one last point. You guys still with me? Okay. Daniel chapter six. Let's move on to Daniel chapter six. The last thing I want you to see here is that God gave a position to Daniel, but Daniel committed himself to God. And while you're flipping to Daniel six, I'll kind of set up this portion of text as well. So after King Nebuchadnezzar, there was a new king in town. His name was Darius. And Darius loved Daniel. He kept elevating Daniel higher and higher in his social status and in in his responsibility in the kingdom. So much so that he was going to probably be the successor to Darius over the kingdom. And as you would know it, there were some people who were also leaders in Babylon who saw Daniel and the favor he had with the king, and they did not like what they saw. They wanted to tear Daniel down so that they could step into those positions of power and responsibility, but they knew that to tear Daniel down, they'd have to figure out some nuanced kind of way to take him out because when he looked at his life, he was faithful, he had integrity, he loved God and he loved people. So these leaders, they look at Daniel and they say, Hmm, the only way we could take Daniel out is if we create a law that sentences him to death based on his faith in his God. And so they do. They draft up a proposal. It says that if you worship any other God but King Darius for 30 days, you'll be sent to your death. Darius likes that. He signs it. And upon hearing that new decree, that new law, we jump into chapter 6, verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Now just remember, Daniel had a high place of power in Babylon and these men were trying to tear him down. So I want us to see here is that Daniel didn't fight for his position. Instead, he sacrificed his position to God in prayer. A couple things just to note about his prayer here, I think it's really special, is that one, when he heard the decree, he went home. He went to a private place, a quiet place, to get on his knees before God. He made space for God in his home. Second, he opened up his windows and pointed himself towards Jerusalem. This is important because he was looking at God's land where the temple was, where the place of worship was. And although he couldn't be there, he said, I'm still going to point myself and orient my, my life, my body towards this place of worship. And then it says here that he, he prayed and he gave thanks. He gave thanks. He did three times a day as he had done previously. Daniel had this habit of praying regularly in his home. And not just praying like, God, please give me this. God, please help me this. Although what we read in verse 11 is that he made petitions and pleas. But he made a specific decision after hearing about this new law that would sentence him to death. He knew that the moment his knee touched the ground again, that that was sentencing himself to death. And in that moment, when he got down on his knees, he started giving thanks to God. How could he give thanks to God knowing that his life was on the line. I think that he gave thanks to God because he had seen God's faithfulness. He had seen God's favor. He had seen that God was close and had faith that as he stepped out in obedience, just as God sustained him through his new diet plan, that God would sustain his life beyond the grave. Daniel had a hope beyond life in this moment. He offered himself completely to God. His religious liberty was totally restricted at this point. His back was up against the wall and in that moment he still decided, hey, my death warrant is out for my prayers, but I'm going to continue to get on my knees and honor my God. What a great word for us in 2021. Daniel's obedience to the law, willingness to steward his giftings, and resolve to prayer all come as a foreshadow of Jesus's life. You think about Jesus in the garden, Jesus with the disciples, Jesus's relationship with God the Father, and you see his life mirroring Daniel so much. Daniel lived under God's law. He tried to uphold it with full integrity. Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life according to God's standard. Daniel had a resolve to pray. Jesus, man, when he heard that the Pharisees were coming to get him for the cross, his first thing to do was to get on his knees and pray. Daniel's willingness to steward his gifting was shown so beautifully in Jesus' life as he had the gift of life, the gift of forgiveness to give. He gave his body as a sacrifice to all. So we see here that in the Old Testament, there's a way of living in exile. In the New Testament, there's a way of living faithfully through exile. So how about for us today? How are we to function when we're in exile? I think that through the life of Daniel and through the life of Jesus, we see so many practical steps and ways to conduct ourselves in our society right now. We're to hold to God's standards. We're to uphold his law, live into his practices, and into his way. We're to operate in our giftings. What has God gifted you in? We're to operate in those and take steps of faith as a result of our giftings. And we're to pray with conviction till our savior brings us home to be with him. And when we fail, not a matter of if, but when, when we fail, we have this great opportunity to confess our sins, to confess our shortcomings, and to return to the simple practices in life of Jesus. We have this great gift of faith this morning to express our devotion to God and to believe that he has a plan and purpose that we can step into today. So as you face discouragement in your life, as exile becomes more and more of a reality for you and me in in California, in America, I hope that you take courage today and start to build these practices into your life today so that when those moments come, you'll be bolstered up in your faith, you'll have a habit of prayer, and you'll be ready to follow God into every step in front of you, amen? Let's pray together. Thank you, Jesus, for your love and for your compassion. Thank you for making a way of life that leads to true life and contentment and joy with you. We pray, God, that you would bless our families, bless our decisions, Go, go with us as we step into the everyday minutia of life and that you'd help us, Lord, to live in obedience with you. Our lives are for you. Our community is for you. We want to be a good representation of what you've done for us. So help us to be mindful of how you've truly blessed us. We love you, God. We step out into faith this week with courage and confidence. And we give it all to you in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.